Hello and welcome to episode three of Movies in the Mirror. My name is Tom Brown and joining me once again is my good friend and cousin Arthur Brown. Hello, hello. So, we're recording this one on Sunday afternoon, which is a bit more civilised yes. than Monday evening. Absolutely, more time to uh, regale you all with tales of... Uh... <laughs> Back to the future, back to the past, if you back will. Back to the future. <laughs> Possib- I know, sorry, God, that's don't, a, that's don't mislead a, our audience. That's a possible future episode, maybe, yeah. But um, just to remind you a little bit what the point of this whole exercise is, basically, every episode we take a film that we have seen earlier in our life, maybe sort of in our teens or early 20s or in childhood, and that we haven't seen since for, well, for at least... I'd say 20 years or so, or Mm -hmm. around about that mark or Mm -hmm. or longer. And then we watch it again and see how much it stands up to our memory. You remember last week I I said it was your nomination, uh, doing a Bond, License Mm. to Kill. I'm pretty sure this time around this one popped into my head if I... Remember rightly, it certainly was. And what is it? Should I tear off? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it is La Haine. I think I've got my pronunciation right. La Haine, as I was calling Uh, it earlier. La Haine, La Haine, the pain (laughs) of La Haine. The translation. Well, we actually just discussing this before we began. The translation is hatred or hate, which uh, you know was intriguing at the time. I have to say, in the sense of you know that's a pretty arresting title. Mm. Tom has film qualifications to his name um, and I, I don't um, but, but you I, do have French qualifications I do have French qualifications you are the French scholar in this uh, conversation oh god well I mean thanks for the, the, the big intro uh, yeah so How I did, did <laughs> merci beaucoup um, I was studying French at the time that this came out which was 1995 uh, yes yes and so it's one of those ones where when you're a student um, anything that doesn't involve reading or essays or you know actual work is is, is always quite exciting anyway um but i do remember thinking full disclosure at the time that it was absolutely superb so i'll mm. come out and say that france as a nation has has a history of a troubled relationship with its banlieue or suburbs in terms of ethnic tensions and just generally them them having a reputation for being a seat of violence and crime and just generally areas that that aren't particularly highly regarded but are also thought to be deprived and so it's a very interesting topic to take on made Vincent Cassel's name as well mm. he's popped up in Danny Boyle films and a few other bits hasn't he he's quite yeah he's become quite well known he's become quite a big star since so so yeah so I I just remember it thinking obviously both from a sort of language perspective but also a a, a cinematic perspective thinking it was terrific what what are your memories of it tom well just before i give you my memories when was the last time you saw that and how many times have you seen oh you know excellent question so again a little bit like um your license to kill scenario i i i don't recall seeing it in the cinema i think i saw it not long after it was out on on video and then i watched it again maybe sort of towards the end of the 90s as i recall Uh, maybe pop again partly with perhaps some fellow French students or something, but I, I cannot remember the last time I saw it. So I think it it meets our roughly 20-year rule. It's been mm. it's been a while. Well, I definitely didn't see it in the cinema. Mm. I'm pretty sure I saw it when I was a student because it's the kind of film you do see when you're a student. Mm. Um, mm. I would have seen it at some point in the in the late 90s and I've definitely only seen it once. Oh, really? Only, literally just the once 
the time you saw it and that's it. Yeah, and I was wow. wondering why that was the because for me this I I I mean you've given the historical perspective on it. Obviously it was an important film mm. in France, a culturally important film, yes. one of those ones that sparked a lot of political debate and blah 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 and you said that President Chirac had arranged a special screening for his cabinet or you know and things like that. Yes. Yeah, which obviously didn't happen here. For me no. I just think of it in genre terms in the sense that I lump it in in my mind, it's lumped in with films like Do the Right Thing, the Spike Lee film, Romper Stomper, Clockwork Orange. You know, films that are about sort of juvenile delinquency and are quite controversial and hard-edged and you know, are about the streets. And I, that's probably yeah. unfair because it, I, I'm pretty sure... I, I, I really don't have very much memory of this this film at all, but I'm pretty sure it's not really like those films. It's quite... Mm. It's, it's actually quite different, probably both in terms of content and theme. How was it was it sold to you by whoever recommended it, it to you? Do you remember like what they said in terms of oh you should watch this, or was it just I, you stumble upon it? Again, I can't remember who who recommended it. I probably mm. watched it with a, with a group of people. It was sold as a kind of oh this is a in your face kind of like gritty, aggressive, shocking film. Even though I've only watched it once, I, I thought I had owned it on DVD. But when I was looking back through my collection for this episode, I, we couldn't find it. So I thought, well, maybe I didn't own it on DVD or maybe I did or I lost it or whatever. But mm. but I certainly hadn't watched it since then. And I, in my mind, it was it was an 18. And I got hold of a copy for, for this show and it's a 15. So I thought, oh, OK, well, maybe it's more a social commentary film than a sort of... Shock'em a shockem, mm. violent, romper-stomper type film. So maybe I've misremembered that. Maybe I'm just mixing it up with... With a, or or something like or more recently something like Miss, this is England. I'm kind of thinking about mm. it more more in those sort of terms. Now, I see why you're placing it on that spectrum. Um, and again, I, it's long enough ago for me that I I I, I cannot recall um, you know particular moments of violence. I, as you said, that sort of arresting bang wow in your face is is, yeah. is what stays with me. I, Gosh, it, I really want to start watching it. No, now. I do. I do. <laughs> I do I, I, it certainly has a sort of a visual style. It certainly yeah. it, it has a kind of, you know, banging soundtrack sort of like stylized in your face visual. That and black and white, of course. And black and white, which is um I don't know whether that was just for budgetary reasons because it was one of those films that did very well on the festival circuit. And honestly, I don't know I mean, what what would you give out of ten now? Before oh, watching excellent it? point. Yeah, I'd be right up there in the the nines. I'd say it yeah. it blew me away. I thought it was superb. When I All saw right, it. okay. So you've really got a good. You've got a far better memory of this film than I do. Yeah, and it's clearly had an impact on you. I, I remember it being very powerful without yeah. really quite recalling why I felt that way. So again, fascinated yeah. to see whether that's as strong. If someone if someone just said to me is Lane good film I would say oh yeah of course yes yeah, that's a good film but then if I was asked to explain any more well, why is it a good film I'd say oh no well I just remember liking it when I saw it but yeah. I couldn't go into specifics so great, I'm gonna great s- pronunciation by the way Very well good. yeah I, I, was, I was hoping to, <laughs> I was hoping to sneak that one in under the radar I'm just going to call it Lahane <laughs> and also you you said uh, Vincent Cassel or something Vincent, like that Vincent Vincent whatever I'm, I'm calling him Vincent Cassel from I now studied on. it for years. Yes, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go for my franglais kind of like your, your franglais is very endearing. I right. think on that basis we should break off and yeah. is, uh, watch is the, the kettle film. on? Let's get the kettle on. I'll get the kettle on absolutely, all and right. then uh, we'll get started. And we shall see you all very soon. See you after the film. <laughs> so. 
so we're back. We are back. We've actually just literally turned the film off and immediately started recording without discussing any of this at all. Wow. So impactful. Oh, you, yeah. You better start because it <laughs> was your to go choice. First? Yeah. It's bleak in more than one sense of the word. In terms of sort of an insight into into that environment, I, I think it's still you know what twenty five odd years on is still really powerful. They basically take the fortunes of these three teenagers over the course of what's 24 hours or so, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, over it's, the course of a day. Yeah, yeah it, it, I thought it had lost none of its power, I have to say. It has a particularly arresting ending as well in terms mm. of we have literally just kind of yeah. woof and, and, and we're back on. Um, I, I still think, because I suppose you can't entirely lose sight of the context, that that, that film... And you're right, I think, Tom, what you said before we sat down to watch it about the sort of how it resonated in France in particular, maybe again, because I've had a bit of a window on that world. But 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 that those kinds of debates still go on about the unemployment, the sort of the total lack of social mobility in these suburbs, where in a lot of cases, it's better to just sort of leave them, give them a wide berth rather than dealing with any of the problems. Yeah, it isn't black and white. So there's an insight into the teenagers getting up to no good a sort of a, an, an attempt to impress one's friends and impress the ladies and a sort of an ennui a sort of there's nothing better to do so we'll sort of wind up the cops and so forth there's an excellent police character who basically says you know let's stop being idiots it's not as simple as sort of all cops are he keeps <laughs> saying i'm only doing my job or we're only doing our job yeah, he says that on at yeah. least three or four occasions so i thought you know i, I thought it was very clever in 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 the sense that it you know it does definitely carry a, a powerful social message but it isn't as sort of i don't think it tends towards the sort of more kish or you know i i felt quite invested in the characters i felt they were they were quite real. I, I thought it captured the essence of that. I, I mean, you know, again, I was sort of outside looking in, obviously, but that power had had not dissipated for me watching it back. What, what were your first impressions? I had forgotten a lot of it. I remembered. I remembered one or two just, just random pieces, actually. Where I, I yeah. wasn't totally sure why they'd stuck in my head. The title of the film comes from a line in the film, which is "Hatred breeds hatred," yes. which, is, which is kind of the theme of the film, really. It's it's the sense that. The whole film is a sort of a Mexican standoff between various different groups. Uh, you've got the gang of boys and the police, and you've also got the gang of boys and other rival gangs. And also a sort of standoff between them and just what they perceive as complacent society. So there's one bit, for example, where the, this woman from the media pops up and tries to interview them, and they swear at her and tell her to get lost because it's sort of like well you know how you're making trouble you're Mm. making trouble Mm. you're misrepresenting our community there's another bit where they go to an art gallery it's a shorthand for sort of a complacent bourgeois society it's like let's go to a kind of conceptual art gallery where you get all these tedious arty types sitting around and obviously and they just you know completely disrupt the place and smash glasses and make a big nuisance of themselves i initially felt that the um character played by uh, vincent cazelle was slightly kind of one-dimensional actually i kind of thought okay so he's being played as this sort of you know frustrated yeah bull in in a china shop Mm. who just it just makes trouble everywhere and his reaction to absolutely everything is one of hostility and anger and disruption tries to provoke doesn't he a lot always he's one of those people who just always gets into fights and throwing out lines and swearing yeah yeah yeah. yeah. he's also the one who you know who starts carrying a gun too and you know that's not gonna end well but right towards the end 
I'm going to just spoiler alert this now. Right at the end, where a skinhead gang attempts to beat up one of their members and he disrupts it and pulls one of them aside and it looks like he's going to shoot them. It's like right at the end he realises at that point that hatred does breed hatred and he's all talk all the way through. He's sort of said, I'm going to kill a cop, I'm going to kill someone, you know, I'm going to sort of make my mark. And he can't do it at the end. And it's it's like the realisation of, of, of the situation, the circular situation that they're, they're trapped in. It really, really brings home to it. Yeah. I thought there was a, just picking up on that, which is it was a really good point, um, that... The debate they have between the three of them, the whole notion of, as you said, he's saying, I'm going to kill a cop, I'm going to kill a cop. And then they say, we want no part of it. And then he qualifies that by saying, well, if this victim whom we we hear about at the beginning of the film that's in a coma as a result of clashes with the police... So there's also the underlying theme of that, you know, eye for an eye, as you said, back to the hate, hatred breeds hatred, the sort of, well, we want to get a sort of vengeance, which... Yeah. Again, was interesting. So the reason I say that is just that I agree with you that for the first half hour or so, he did he did seem to sort of only really offer one tune as a character. Yeah. And that depth started to emerge as, as it went along. Yeah, particularly towards the end. I, I will say, though, that I admire this film quite a lot and I think that there's a, some very powerful set pieces and moments in it. Mm. For me, it doesn't quite gel as a great film. And I think the reason I say that is because... It feels to me like a calling card film. It feels to me like a right. lot of, a lot of debut films that I've seen. A bit like something like Reservoir Dogs. It feels to yeah. me like a filmmaker who's determined to make an impact. He's taking a subject that's very socially resonant and, you know, has a lot of, you know, he's clearly going to be, make people sit up and pay attention. The way he shoots it, he uses an awful lot of style. So, you know, you start with kind of stock footage, which is like footage of riots and stuff like that. But then it gets more stylized you get things like extreme close-ups and crash zooms slow motion he has this visual thing that happens over and over again in the film where he has he uses like extreme depth of field so you have someone right close up to the camera and then action happening far in the background and yes and, and yeah a like number that. of times yeah, yeah and he spends a lot of time true. when he, he spritzes, switches the setups around he breaks the line i mean this is all kind of you know technical film jargon but all i mean to say is that it's is quite that a, a compliment or a, no, no, or it was a bit messy or what i mean is it's quite it's 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 a film that uses a hard-edged um kind of realism on the one hand tough subject matter and all kinds of you know stylistic sort of tricks in the book which you can do if you don't have too much money you can still do and you can still sort of like experiment with different styles of filmmaking within different scenes. And, Did that and distract you a bit? It didn't distract me. Mm. I just thought it was a film of a lot of individual set pieces which didn't always come together as a whole. And to an extent, that mm. the, the form of the film it, it dictates that because, as you say, it, it plays out over the course of a day. So it's like a snapshot of a film. So rather than like some linear story that you tell where over a long period of time where you've got sort of you sure, know, sure. instead it's you're dropping in and they're always going to as a result be random scenes random characters it's quite 90s in the sense that you know you've got one bit guy you know who does a sort of djing bit where he's, he's doing record scratching and blaring it out to the neighbourhood and he's got a Cypress Hill jumper on. Oh, yeah. And then there's like a sort of crane shot, which kind of, or an aerial shot that goes over and across the neighbourhood and stuff, which probably costs half the film's budget, that shot, I would have thought. That is a cool shot. That but it's cool, cool, but it's, it's yeah. that scene, you could just take that scene out. It's not really connected to anything else. And so so not, a, not a strong enough narrative 
thread, or you, you mean? Sort no, of... I just, I just think that it's, it's, it's a film that is, is a gut punch, if you know what I mean. It's, it's sort of, it for me, it doesn't like you know, you've got a lot of filmmakers in the past would like make a sort of a low budget horror film. It's a way of showing off their talent, if you know what I mean. It's mm. or the same way as Reservoir Dogs. It's, it's mm. quite a showy piece of filmmaking. I think Tarantino has made better films since, mm. but I think that. Reservoir Dogs is a gut punch and it made people kind of go, oh, here's a new talent. And this is clearly a new talent. You watch this film, th- this could not have been made by a bad filmmaker. Mm. Yeah, and there's that, that message at the beginning as well around, yeah. you know, dedicated to those. Yeah, but um, I think I think but, as- aspects of it are, I th- so I think it's episodic. I think mm. it's stylistically kind of like jumps all over the place. I think it's a little clunky at times in terms of reinforcing its message. The subtitles don't help with that because you've sometimes got a situation where you've got a bit of graffiti or something in the background or a poster or something. In, if you're just watching it in French, that would just be there. They wouldn't need to stress it. So they've got like slogans like, like we're the future, ironic slogans like the we're the future on a poster. Or, yes. Or, or a bit of graffiti saying like the world is yours or something like that. And that would just be in the background. But because it's translating it for you, it flashes up on the screen. Yes. And it has far more the impact of, hey, 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 listen, everyone, this is the message of the film type yeah. thing. You know? Yeah. And that's slightly got in the way for me. It isn't so widely talked about no. um, these days. I'm not sure I'm not convinced that's that's because it's no longer relevant. Oh, it's I think definitely it's, relevant. Um, it's more perhaps yeah. that not that I don't think it's retained its impact, but simply that hmm. everyone's gone on to other projects and I don't know yeah. why maybe it hasn't quite it isn't quite remembered as much as it could be. I'm not quite sure why. It's certainly not as remembered as well as some of the films I was comparing it to at the start of this show. It does remind me a lot of Do the Right Thing, the Spike Lee film. It, it's almost like a French version of that. I think this has been said elsewhere anyway, but not just the soundtrack, which is very street music and it sort of run, runs like a thread through the film. This could easily be made today. Your cultural references would be different. Some of the slang would be different. Maybe some of the emphasis would be slightly different. What's interesting about the gang is it's very, very multicultural. You have yes. uh, black members, Arab members. No, Jewish member. Jo- Jewish member. Well, the main character. The, the exactly. Character exactly. Is, that, is, that trio. It's very, very emphasised right from the start. He comes from a, a Jewish family. So there's no... All of the racial bigotry, or most of the racial bigotry, actually comes from the police. And there's a wonderful extended interrogation sequence which I find really difficult to watch. I thought that was very uncomfortable to watch. Really difficult to watch. Extremely well acted, Yeah, you you have to say. That was one of the best scenes in the film. And the other really good scene in the film, I thought, was the bit in the toilet cubicle with the old gentleman who tells them the story... He, but they're basically in in a toilet. Uh, it was booth. a bit dream sequency, wasn't it? Did you think? Or yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it it was slightly heightened. Sorry, it, it, explain it to Alice. Well, it, so okay, so it's it's <laughs> they're in like a toilet cubicle, and Vince tells you doing his normal rant about I'm going to shoot someone. You know, if 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 I get messed with again, I'm going to shoot a cop. And they don't realise there's an old gentleman in one of the cubicles who then makes his present felt. And he tells them a story of a time where he was being transported to a prison camp in Siberia. And it's a, it's a lengthy anecdote, but it ends with one of his colleagues just dying quite, quite horribly. And they all listen to him quite respectfully. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. It's first of all, it's their first encounter with someone who really has experienced life at the shit end, you know, who's really experienced a real life death and the consequences of violence rather than their kind of play acting to a certain extent, at least up to that point. And he's also the only one who doesn't talk down to them. It's like he's telling them this story as a kind of, listen to this, and he talks to them completely on the level. And it's the only time that the Vincent Cassell character sits quietly and really listens to someone. And you can tell that the words have really gone in. 
And that is a crucial yes. point of his kind of like character development. And I think it's a slightly contrived scene, but it's well done. Mm. You know, I, I have to admit, I, I hadn't remembered that scene uh, yeah. from from first time around. And like you, I, I thought that that was memorable and, 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 and worked as opposed to some of the more the more memorable scenes, particularly where uh, Vincent Cassel does his Robert mm. De Niro nod yeah to um, taxi driver yeah. and uh, so I, I i like that too and i think although i still think of it very highly and it is still relevant in terms of as you said i mean if you look even just at the the gilet jaune the yellow jacket yeah. all of the sort of unrest around that and the yeah. ongoing strikes and so forth you know in that sense i, I don't think it's lost its relevance and, and, and hasn't aged necessarily particularly badly mm. But I think it's worth drawing out that point that, yes, it, it did feel like quite a few sort of short, well-topped and tailed set pieces yeah. between the trio, and then you were on to the next one. Yeah. So in that sense, it, it didn't necessarily flow quite as much as a yeah. as a story, if you will. Even though, as you said, it's a snapshot, absolutely. Yeah. But it was, in a way, it was almost you, you were picking out highlights, moments that you enjoyed, rather yeah. than necessarily being gripped from minute one to minute. 93 and again that's that that's quite often a feature of again calling card films it, if you do a snapshot you know you, you you bypass the need to develop a narrative build up a, over a period of time develop characters in more detail all of these things come with a bit more experience and maturity i feel whereas immediate impact films it's almost like you're learning your trade on the job a little bit that sounds patronising, actually. Maybe I'm being a bit unfair to this film. You could tell they were passionate about the subject matter as well. Yeah, so you, totally, There's no faking yeah. that. No, um, none at all. But you're not all about the narrative or all about the plot. So is it, is it more just that you've, you've, you've had a bit more experience of that type of film? I don't know. Maybe I've seen films like this. I've seen a lot of films like this and I've seen ones that are better. But I've seen... I've certainly seen ones that are worse. I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of films of this type have been made and some of them have not been any good at all. This one is clearly the work of of a very talented filmmaker, and it's it's well directed actually. I, I like mean, the dynamic between the three of them as well. I thought that again, it was believable. It was yeah. It you got a, an insight into their vulnerabilities. There, uh, there, there's some nice use of humour as well. I I particularly like the scene where the Vincent Cassel character offers offers to to shave his his yeah, his mate's funny. head, uh, and he's like, oh, it's a really good look. It's going to look great, and then they sort of bicker like a sort of long-standing couple as you know oh what are you doing what have you done to me and then he's sort of mocking him because it doesn't go down very well uh, as yeah. a look uh, so you know it, it did have those those lighter moments and and again you know taking on as you said some some pretty hefty subject matter the more heightened moments reminded me of other french filmmakers like jean-pierre genet for example uh, there are yes. aspects of delicatessen in those sudden sort of zoom in bits and uh, the slightly heightened close-ups and and things like that so it, it is quite a french film you know i said a, a nine out of ten and you were you were struggling simply because there wasn't that much you could remember about it first time yeah around. i was reluctant to give it a grade before watching it because i just feel it wouldn't have been based on very much yeah but uh, i i think actually what you said bears out the reason for my score i mean being that bit younger mm. it's a side to, to to french society that you know mm. certainly the politicians of the day aren't necessarily weren't always entirely keen to embrace controversy around for example some of the things that sarkozy said around the, the suburbs when he was president for example well famously the filmmaker so, can't stand sarkozy made some very very disobliging remarks about sarkozy when the, he was in power 
this uh, this same filmmaker. Indeed, indeed. And, and I, so I was just going to say in terms yeah. of I think that you mentioned about an impact film. I think particularly when I saw it, you know, as I said, I think not that long after it came out in the cinema, it, it was on that level that it really knocked it out of the park. It was like, mm. woof, wow, this is mm. this is a side to France that, you know, you ain't going to see in no tourist video. Do, do um, you think it still retains that impact, though? Because I think the issue with that is that quite often that impact doesn't survive a second viewing or it, or you take it out of its context of like the mid 90s or we'd never seen something like this before and you watch it in the cold light of 2020 it doesn't it doesn't retain that i i don't th- i don't think i would I, I don't think i'd give it a nine again this time around i mean i think it's interesting that is a very interesting again part of the reason for us, us yeah. cho- choosing this this get together is 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 that whole how do it how do films age and and how does how does your view of them change and i i suppose I've seen, as you've said, I've seen more films like that. I've seen films, you know, with 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 a powerful message. Yeah. So I, I still, it really did grab me, and particularly that that really quite powerful ending. You know, the, the credits rolled at the end, and it was like, woof, yeah. it's gosh, it, that's it, it's over, and that had lost none of its power. But I I think it does bear out what you were saying about the hallmarks of an impact film. I'm gonna give it. I'll give it a seven and a half. I think I probably a seven and a half. I think I was going to say seven, eight. Yeah, type territory. I think it's that kind of. Ter- it's the best film we've done so far. I mean, in the same, <laughs> it's definitely better than Backdraft. It, did it move you more than Backdraft? It Is did move me. I mean, we are. T- I mean, for all my criticisms, which are constructive criticisms, we're talking about a whole different ballpark to Backdraft. You know, this is this is clearly an important, intelligent, well-made, well-crafted, very powerful impressive, and powerful well, film. Though. You know, and I can't take that away from it at all. Well, that's me pretty much talked out on Lane, unless you have anything else. Well, I was just going to say, gonna say we, we we did say that we, we should probably go away and have a, a serious thought about a, a romantic comedy. <laughs> Given the, the, the first three films we've done have been relentlessly masculine. All with some quite sort of not particularly cheerful themes running through any of them necessarily. So we, yeah. we do, we you know, we try and cover, we, we try to go to all, all corners of uh, the yeah. cinematic universe on this podcast. So, so that what's mu- coming up next? Remind well, I, I've actually no idea uh, because ah. because I like the idea of the rom-com, but I have to find one which, A, I haven't seen for a long time and, B, yes. I have fond memories of, and that narrows the pull quite a bit. Right. Well, uh, the research begins as soon as, as soon as this episode comes to an end. So that may or may <laughs> not be next. We will have to see. Uh, yes, exactly. We're going to go do go away and do some research. Yeah. Um, and, but if uh, in the meantime, uh, you want to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Movies in the Mirror, uh, please leave us some comments as long as they're nice. Well, no, leave us unfriendly ones as well. I'm sure we'll respond to those. If... And uh, and and we like suggestions as well. We do. Because we do. Uh, there've got to be films out there that you've seen that you have thought about your memories or reflected on whether actually something was was brilliant or, or terrible with the passage of time so so yeah we, we like those being well we too. like the idea of just films we might have forgotten about that you know that you could maybe bring to our consciousness so don't do star wars or the godfather you know films that we've quite obviously seen loads of times try and think of those little obscure gems that have maybe been forgotten about but you think deserve another airing absolutely perfect yeah. perfect awesome. So we shall see you all next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye.